A lot goes into taking care of your property. You need equipment with more reliability, durability, and versatility built in. Like number one selling Kubota BX and L-Series compact tractors, Z-Series mowers that deliver a quality cut, and Sidekick utility vehicles where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Mason Tractor Co. Four convenient Kubota locations. On the web at masontractor.com. My name is Tracy Ariel, and I am unapologetically Canadian. Here we are. We are at Douglas Jack's home. We are in the corner of Bergevin and Jean Yo in La Salle, which is um, a wonderful community, um, which is used to be called uh, La Salle. Heights, and then it was Les Jardins de la Salle, and uh, I don't know what they're calling it now. What are they calling it now? Oh, Doug? Just, uh, they, I, I, I should look on my, my lease or something like that, but it just gives the address. I yeah, think I think it. they've changed it completely, so they don't even have it. It doesn't have an entity anymore. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and we're talking about permaculture gardening and some of his passions and the neighborhood and the community that he's organizing here. So do you want to introduce yourself, Douglas, and talk about? What, um, what you're hoping to do? Great, great. Um, so I'm Doug, and, and I live in this um, 815 housing units on 40 acres in two properties, and one is 33 acres with Tourette Realties, uh, the other is a seven-acre um, uh, HLM, Habitation Loyer Modique, and I'm, um, I've been here for geez, 30 years, and the, um, um, my partner here, Rebecca, well, we're ex, but we live close by, and we have a son who's 18 years old, Adrian, um, we, um, so I, this morning I was waking up Adrian uh, at his window, <laughs> and um, I, um, so the, what's really nice about this community is there's about 40 extended families. And so that means that people are connected um, through grandmothers, uh, grandchildren, uh, the, just the whole mixture that's here. And uh, so promoting, um, promoting that connectedness that's already here. So what we're doing is um, a software uh, project, which is a community economy software. And our, the way we're going about it is to, on, on a website, we'll put the software, which has a human resource catalog People go onto the catalog, they put on their pictures, their talents, their goods, their services, a description of who they are, maybe their dreams. Um, and then, um, then from there, people know about each other a little bit. And uh, out of curiosity, oh, who lives next door to me? And, and um, then, they, um, then if they need a babysitter or they need um, an electrician or they need a doctor or they need whatever they've got, um, they, they're able to find each other and they're able to join together because we figure that a lot of economy will be about bringing together the babysitters and the, um, the woodworkers and other people who can share tools and knowledge and, um, and so th we figure that's the biggest challenge is just that people know each other so we call the project Do We Know Who We Are? Ah. And, um, that's um, so. The so it's almost like one of those old-time directories from when they used to have directories when in the '40s and '50s for neighborhoods, you know. Yeah. You yeah. know, a bit like Levels or some of the other directories, you know, just to make sure people actually know each other. 
Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know about that that level. But um, this community here was designed. Um, the CMHC was one of the chief financers and and brought in the architects and engineers, and they designed it as a garden city, um, based in Frederick Olmsted's work, um, not by him, but but based on his work. And so they've what they've done is that they've the roads are peripheral. I'm on the corner of Bergevin and Jean Milot, but Bergevin kind of goes in an arc around the community. And uh, normally where there would be um, uh, lanes, ruelles, um, between the buildings, there aren't. So it's open green space. Um, but none of Frederick Olmsted's projects, including Parc Montréal in Montreal, nor Central Park in, in, in uh, New York City, none of them were really realized as garden, um, garden cities. So. so we're going to just take a little bit of a tour around. Excuse the wind. We're not going to be doing this very long so that... Uh, yeah. just okay, so now we're just outside and we are next to a cement composter, which I've been hearing about for a very long time. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, Doug and I do all sorts of local community stuff together. So tell me about the... Tell me about what you're doing here. Okay, um, a, a lot of fear of composting has to do with rats and mice and mm -hmm. um, feeding feeding them. So um, many people don't compost um, partially because those populations can grow. So uh, this is a cement board composter. So cement board came out about oh, 30 years, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, and it's just be it's. Um, it's very durable. This one is nine years old and it has no sign of degradation. Whereas the, the regular wooden ones that they're building um, and you, some cities are using, they last about six years before they're unusable. Yeah. So this one is in perfect condition and, and well, you know, but it, it, it probably could last 60 years or maybe even 100 years. And wow. uh, so um, the, I'm, I'm a designer. I've worked on design for uh, 50 years. And... Um, the, um, so I thought, oh, let's bring together cement board with um, composting, and it has the aeration on the corners, and so it, 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 it works quite well. I can, get, I can get three or four harvests out of here a year, and because it's cement board, I bring out my dishwater and I just pour it in, and uh, it cleans the bucket at the same time, and it wets down the material. So wet material will decompose um, three to four times faster than dry materials and um, which is so that's a that's a big one then here we've got um, mulching which is the, these are we each every year I've been putting in about 400 bags of of, um, of garbage bags full of leaves and grass clippings and grass chips and um, so I've got a lot of plants underneath here including those are roses and and a, a kind of plum and cherry and um, what what the leaves do is that they they insulate the roots so that the the it's busy all winter. I can ah. dig down. I, three months ago, I dug down and the worms were were crawling around. Wow! And then in in the morning, uh, there were about five um, uh, kind of um, robins in here, and they were they were picking at all the worms, right? So so they're adding their mix, and and um, of course you know wildlife are working for us. They're they're doing lots of jobs, right? And um, so this this compost has um, um, br branches around to hold the the leaves, and uh, so I've done that pretty much 
all around and against the house because that's insulating the basement in the wintertime. So the leaves next to the basement wall are doing two functions. They're decomposing and they're insulating the basement. <laughs> and then over here... And so do you remove them in the spring, like now or very shortly from now from the side of the house, or you leave them there? I'll leave, I'll leave those ones there because those, those are my grapevines there. Oh, okay. And so the, the grapes need... They, they, they can use some really deep soils. Um, this here is a, just a leaf compost, um, and this leaf compost is, uh, is geez, I put about 60 bags into there. Wow. Um, and um, it doesn't look like it because it gets really, the, the kids come in and they jump on here like a trampoline and they, they <laughs> pack, it, pack it down for me. And um, so th this, th this will be added to the... Um, This will be added to the garden. To the, this is an apple tree right here, and these are cherries and and uh, there's the. And pear. do you get a lot of fruit? Get wonderful fruit. Really, it's really been um, abundant picture. I'm still eating um, dried apples from the garden and and uh, sumac that we grow. And um, so um, here is um, here's our first. We've been harvesting, and it's just come to the end of the season, and we've been harvesting. From the maple tree, maple sap. Right. So we've had about three weeks of maple sap now. Um, it's dry now, though. This is uh, probably the, the last day was was um, yesterday, and uh, you can see it's not dripping now anymore. But I've done the method I've used for the first time is a wedge method rather than a drill method. Mm-hmm. I and noticed that. That's interesting. Now, what did did you actually? Um, how did you get them in then? Well, I took a, an axe. And I tapped it in, and I don't know the method exactly, but it's the the First Nation method. When when the Ganyangahaga here um, were people of the Flint, and they were named that mostly because their their primary product were were um, were maple um, maple taps that were made in the form of wedges going into the tree. Okay. The advantage of the of the the wedge method is that when I take out when I take out these uh, these from the slit, just the slit that was made, it will heal, ah. and it will heal within a few weeks. Oh, great! Whereas I've got, uh, I could show you on here, um, not focusing right now, but some holes that I made with the old method, and they never heal. Right. And uh, so it damages the tree year after year after year. Whereas the wedge method, um, still, I'm still learning about it. <laughs> You're still that, working it out, okay. Yeah. But that's the, that's what the First Nation um, approach was, which there's many things that we never learned. Yeah. Um, how are we doing for time? Uh, we're just about finished the outdoor portion, but we don't. We only have to do one more little section. So these are um, so these are raspberries and blackberries um, and currants. Um, and cherry and apple and um, and currants are nitrogen fixers, so that's also very good for everything growing around it. Wow, wow! And this is a, a big sumac here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sumacs. I'm surprised you don't have sumacs everywhere because sumacs usually spread. <laughs> well, I eat the I eat the sprouts. So oh, okay. Yes. So you you cut the sprouts <laughs> like a... you do the, the sprouts. What I do with dandelions, you oh. basically harvest instead of taking them out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. It. so. Um, yeah, so things are coming up here with just different different plants will come up here and, and Himalayan balsam. 
Um, and uh, this is this is a wonderful cherry tree, and it does really well. And it looks you can see how strong it is. It's doing. What kind of cherry do you know? It's a sour. Oh, I, sour I, cherry. I like Yum. the sour. I like the sour better, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, sour cherries are lovely. They make great pie too. Yeah, good. Uh, so where do we go? Now we can go around to the back, I guess. Okay. So you, it's under under here, of course, I've insulated. You know, that's part of the basement, so I'm insulating with <laughs> with eggs. Yeah. All the leaves I can get. All right. So we're finished the outdoor portion, and now we're just gonna go back inside. Okay, good. So, so now we're back inside, so it's uh, the sound quality is a little bit better, and uh, now we can actually talk about your history and what you've been, uh, what you're, you're, what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, good, good. So, um, so we've taken the approach to community development. We, there, we have. Um, two software programmers, both have their masters, one in, in information technology, the other one in communications. Um, and the approach we're taking is that um, putting up, using web software so that the uh, human resource catalog will be on the web, and today people are even, I think, more disconnected than, than previously, um, but the, through the web they can get to know each other and find a reason for saying hello, and um, find a reason for um, using each other's goods and services. So in a local walkable community, like, like here, which is, so we're, you know, 40 acres, so that means that people can walk from one side to the other typically in two minutes. Right. Um, and the, um, so getting those economic relations going, now some people here we have about 500 Slavs. Um, I mean, that means uh, Russian, um, Polish, Ukrainian, mostly. Oh, okay. And, and uh, then there, we, uh, then we have about 500 um, Arabic uh, speakers, and we have about 500 uh, Spanish um, Spanish speakers. Most of the guys working on the grounds here are Spa Spanish speakers, <laughs> and, uh, but each one of them bring their, their incredible traditions, and often these are very, uh, you know, indigenous traditions that they're bringing from different places. Um, about And so we have a community garden here that's 700 meters by 30 meters um, wide. That community garden, boy, there's, there's hundreds of people eating off of that garden every year. Um, now, so there'd be surpluses there that they could trade with each other, and um, the composting would really help because the, the, the number one ingredient of recycling is composting. Once the compost is taken out, nothing else smells, everything else is clean. So um, we've been uh, trying to get the uh, eco quartier into the program, of, um, and they're very interested. They're, they, you know, they're on a very low, low budget and most of their budget is around education in, in the schools. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, Lucas Gonzaga, he wants to get the, the compost, but we, we'd like to get... So here we have a private corporation that owns the property. I think that they do a pretty good job, except for when they spray Roundup, or there's some things that they're just not... Um, we've had a real problem with them around, around pesticides, and actually we took them to court before the Montreal passed its uh, pes, pes, uh, Montreal and Quebec passed the uh, no cosmetic um, pesticide, pesticide use. Right. 
So in the end, we won, but we didn't win in the court case because the judge, of course, is is up at their cottage using their pesticides and and not believing that there's anything wrong with with you know. But we, slowly, we showed it to them, and they're still using Roundup, <laughs> which is which is showed to, which is shown to be um, um, a carcinogen. And uh, someone just won a hundred and seventy million dollar uh, lawsuit. It was reduced down to seventy million dollars, but as a groundskeeper working in, in a uh, school. So here, here we are, we're, um, <clears throat> when, with the, the Do We Know Who We Are project, the concept is that people know each other, they trade locally, they, they can earn some of their living. Eventually, when it's well organized, that means more and more and more people involved in knowing each other, um, then um, more and more of the local economy can be done locally. It means that people who are traveling two hours to work, you know, to go and clean houses or something, can do it locally. Right. And um, so, um, so saving four hours a day of traveling. Um, yeah, that's a big lifesaver. Yeah, it's a big, it's a huge lifesaver. Um, so our, our approach to community development is, is not idea-based so much as livelihood-based, is, you know, how do, how do we make sure that people are earning a, a living that they're enjoying to do? Um, and um, so the catalog helps people to present themselves about you know what they're what they'd like to do, and then as much as possible um, help people in the jobs that they that they like to do and and to grow to grow themselves spiritually and economically. Right now, you've created um, uh, an organization. It's not actually a nonprofit. It's a different kind of organization to get some of these together. What kind of organization is it, and how many people are involved? Well, um, we, we, I'm, I'm the president of the Sustainable Development Association, which is a Canadian nonprofit since 1994. Okay. So we've been, we're, we're a Canadian corporation. Ah, it's a Canadian, yeah. okay. And, um, but, and we have a subgroup called Indigen Community. So Indigen is, uh, it's an old English word, but it's also French and uh, Spanish and Italian and German. And uh, most of Europe uses the term Indigen and and indigen or indigen instead of indigenous. Right. Um, and uh, what we're doing is, I, I've been working with First Nations for 55 years, and uh, on different projects, and um, been uh, living and and um, across Canada and different places with First Nations. And so, um, my my understanding is that indigenous law, um, indigenous. Um, uh, the the uh, economic uh, economic laws that they use, the accounting methods, the um, governance methods that they used in their communities, in their multi-home buildings, um, could be of huge service to uh, people today. Now we didn't learn those because we came in violently and we we immediately replaced what was here with with the failure that we brought from Europe. So we were coming as failures. We were coming as refugees from a, from a bad system that had failed. And the uh, oligarchs paid for our trip to get rid of us. <laughs> and, um, but they, they, they had us impose um, their failure on this new territory because they wanted to milk it for money, just like they milk every other place. And so here we are... Um, promoting failure in a place that was very successful. 
in terms of ecological uh, abundance and and um, working working with rivers and water and and trees and plants. So that's um, so our our goal is to is that we're all indigenous. We're all originally indigenous from all around the world and the polyculture orchards of Europe and and Africa and Asia and Australia. Um, kept these lands humid and productive uh, of thousands of species of animals and huge abundance in food, materials, energy, and water cycle. So that's what you're promoting. That's what you are working on. Um, are you working on any projects across Canada with any uh, groups at the moment? Um, well, I'm kind of in touch with uh, old friends from British Columbia, where I where I lived for eleven years, and. Um, then um, I have uh, First Nation friends from Saskatchewan and, or, or sorry, um, Manitoba, um, and um, so we're corresponding and, and working in that way. But um, yeah, no, no set project, no, no project you can announce yet or anything. No, no. anybody's doing. Okay, yeah. uh, and then uh, I guess. Uh, those were the questions that I really wanted to talk to you about uh, in terms of, was there anything that you were hoping to mention before I get to my last question, which uh, is the typical one? <laughs> yeah. Well, our website, um, which is indigencommunity.info, um, and uh, so we've had um, close to 20,000 different people come and visit it, and um, 25,000 visits, um, and they've read... Um, 39,500 pages, <laughs> and uh, so there, um, so th th there we have um, 77 um, web sections on the website um, of different, different questions that people might ask about uh, food production, about governance, about accounting, um, about all forms of living. And um, so that people might find it useful. Right. Yeah. So um, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah. And uh, I know that uh, when I was reading through, I mean, this is managing abundance for sure. It's uh, several decades of information on that website. So it's uh, um, it's definitely the kind of thing where you need to take your time and just go through it slowly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, can you tell me maybe your favorite article on there that you think people should definitely read? Well, um, one of the things I found out from um, living amongst First Nations and being in First Nation areas and seeing the, the ancient um, polyculture orchards that they grew. So when the Europeans came over, they were looking for low plants. They were looking for, uh, so corn made sense to them and beans right. made sense and squash, potatoes made sense to them. But way, way up... Um, 30, 40, 50 meters up in the sky were these trees that were producing um, huge amounts of nuts and fruit and, and greens. Um, and the trees um, change the climate. Every tree is a heat pump. Mm -hmm. So if you have a, on Montreal Island, if you have a billion heat pumps, guess what happens to the climate? It gets warmer in the, in, in the winter and, and cooler in the summer. Right. So... Um, <clears throat> their, their, their tree production, the roots are going down tens of meters and, and pumping water and mining minerals and developing nutrient colonies deep into the ground. The canopy of the tree is photosynthesizing. It's a combination when you look at photosynthesis of solar, solar rays and, and also heat absorption. It's considered that the polyculture orchards were, were using 
92 to 98 percent of the solar energy that was being that was shining down in that area. Wow. And, um, um, and so what would be included in a polyculture orchard? Give me a, like, did they have a, a version like the Free Sisters that you were just talking about, the corn, bean, and uh, yeah. um, squash? Uh, was, there a, was there a typical planting? Yeah, well, the oak is core. Okay. And so right across the northern hemisphere, the oak, even in the southern hemisphere, the oak is, is a primary human food. Mm-hmm. And it's one that people don't develop allergies to. It's it's um, very nutritious. It has the all all tree roots because they're the roots are are, are mining minerals. They're putting they're, the foods are very mineralized. That means that we're getting the minerals are really key for protein and starches and um, incorporation into the body and and the use of all the cells really need that mineral component. So what do you eat off of an oak? Uh, an oak is the acorn. Uh-huh. And so, um, say Montreal was known for the white acorn, and the white acorn you can actually eat it. Um, the the red and the, the brown, uh, the black acorns you have to um, you have to soak those in in water. But the white acorn you can eat directly. Oh, okay. So and, it, and you eat it like a nut, like a chestnut or something? Yeah, like it, like a nut. It can be cooked and and um, there, there's different recipes. It's used a lot in in uh, Lebanese cooking. Oh, okay. uh, it's used the the flowers are made so they make um, acorn pancakes and um, oh yum that's yeah, delicious yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so w- w- we like I we harvested 110 kilograms of butternuts last year from a local tree mm. and uh, that that came down to just um, uh, 12 kilograms of nuts in the shell okay because and the, people would eat the nuts as the nuts then yeah not making a flower out of that. Yeah, so well, you can make flour things, but generally they're very highly nutritious protein and and oils. The oils are excellent. Um, the the enzymes they're they're just rich, rich foods. And so we we have jars upon jars of of um, of butternuts. Butternut is um, is a Grenoble uh, is a walnut. It's called. Oh, the, it's, it's a type of walnut. Okay. It's, ca- it's called the white walnut. Okay. And um, so with, um, so, but polyculture orchards, they're considered, like, what I've done is, I've done, the comparisons that I've done in the areas that I've done, I've lived, is that if you had an area the size of this, um, this, the bottom floor of this townhouse, say it's um, 50 square meters if it was just a little bit longer, so that would be about 7 meters by 7 meters. Okay. And um, that could support, say, one tree. Mm-hmm. And the the 150 year old trees that that used to be the average age of the oak could produce up to 10 tons of acorns in one mast year. Typically, wow. typically about two three tons, but say 10 tons in a mast year. Yeah. And the same area. I also worked in agriculture, so I worked in wheat production. I worked on combines, and um, the same area of wheat could only produce three kilograms. Wow. Compare three tons, or ten tons, in, in a master. The master is about once every seven, eight years. Right. Um, th- three kilograms compared to three tons. Now, that's um, what are you doing with that? That's a nut or a flower? Okay, that's the nut. Because with the wheat, we're we're producing flour out of it. Yeah, and so. Um, you, but with the nut, what are you producing? Like, what when you're saying three tons, is it just the nut itself, three tons? So then, what would you produce out of it? Yeah, so the nut would have to be. Um, Dehusked, de, uh, de, 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 
the the shell taken off. Mm -hmm. And but it's nice because the tree is drying it, so it's a bit drier than the the, the wheat. The wheat okay. has the wheat has to be dried. It has to be processed. The it has to be uh, de dehusked and. Um, um, so there's both of them are being reduced down from the original harvest, um, and the um, but the um, so with with um, oh butternuts acorns all of these um, say the, the the say the the three three tons of acorns coming off those old trees. Um, they would now. You have to feed the tree because you can't just take from nature. You have to give back. Right. Well, <laughs> so you're you, taking off a lot. You can compost pretty much all of the stuff you take off of that. So. That's right. And so whether you're, it's your poo, your pee, or your or the garden kitchen cuttings or whatever you've got, you're feeding that tree, and it's processing materials for you. Um, then the um, so. Um, so the the ratio would still we use the ratio of of a um, hundredfold that the polyculture orchards in the same space the same ground space will produce about one hundred times more they will water themselves they will um, they will fertilize themselves they will um, they will do they will handle everything um, right. so that there's no work right well there's work to to like, harvest. To, to harvest and to actually produce something out of the nut. Yeah, and now, are they like the black walnut that are like really tough to open to? Or um, are they easier, like are they more like chestnut where you can just put a hole in it and cook it and then it, it releases more easily? Yeah, it's more like the, the, um, the, the butternut like that I've got can be very big and, and can be easy, but that's a matter of breeding and feeding. So the the, um, the the butternuts that I that my neighbors my Russian neighbors give me from uh, Moldova mm -hmm. are rich and succulent and big and fat and actually fatter than our walnuts in the store, right. but that's because they bred them. Right. Um, so over thousand years, say, or two thousand years. Right. And um, whereas um, so all of these nuts, whether it's the butternut um, that, that I've got here. Um, the, it, it would take a culture of people working, working with them, to to. Uh, but they're certainly delicious in in the meantime. And the nut is a little bit harder, like a, like the um, uh, black walnut. Oh, it's okay. more more difficult to open. Okay. But the black walnut as well can be bred and fed too, and and. Um, so. Yeah, but just in terms of um, like the, the so you're not selling the jars of walnuts or anything like you're. Um, the what are you doing with the actual food? Oh, I'm cracking them open with my vice grips. And, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then just eating them that way. Yeah, just eating them that way. Oh, okay. And uh, I just considered, well, you know. I had to yeah. use a sledgehammer on my last black walnut. It was like, it was, it was so impossible to open. Well, well no, but they, the vice grips are, are they, they do it just with a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I'll have to try that next time. <laughs> the vice grip might be a little easier. <laughs> but the problem being is that the food from our grocery store is empty. It has practically no minerals. Well, these were black walnuts from a farmer. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but is, but why why do we why, why do we work with what we've got that's wild? Is because when we go and buy uh, green vegetables or things from the store, they have very very little to offer us in terms of vitamins, minerals, enzymes. Um, they're just empty foods. And I mean, there's there's certainly more than than packaged fast foods, but they're um, they they have very little in them compared with 
getting the, with, uh, you know, getting plants. Now we can work with those and and get both from them, but we 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 that's we we have to become a responsible people again. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what we're working towards. I know that there yeah. was uh, at EcoDurfest there was an interesting company working on a uh, um, a, a little mecha- uh, machine or a little uh, tool that you could use to open uh, black walnuts. So I'm really hoping that that works. <laughs> yeah. That was really awesome. Um, all right, so the polyculture ultras is the that's the one. Uh, maybe send me if I can't find it, I'll ask you and I'll get you to send me the link so I can put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, we put it under orchard food production efficiencies. Okay, and orchard so, food production efficiencies. Because awesome. we're comparing, we're using it as a compare a place of comparison with uh, the word agriculture comes from the Latin ager. Ager means field. Uh, oh, okay. So uh, from the Latin. So what, what we've got agriculture and and what's strange is that you know I've known many profs from McGill and they just throw up their hands because the agro business has so much control over McDonald College that they've 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 been there for decades and they can't make a change wow. in 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 teaching in teaching true knowledge and they they well they do they teach what they know but the um, the all of the marking and the is is all according to what agribusiness is telling them to to do. Well, yeah, because people are looking for jobs too, so it's then those are the ones that are available. So, so even though even though the the uh, polyculture orchards would be a hundred times more productive in any in area in any area, including in the cities where they grow vertically next to our buildings. Right. So that's really important if we want to. R- Bring food security to to our our city areas, our downtown. Well, that's why I was looking for recipes because if you have one recipe that people really want to have, then they're willing to get they're willing to do a lot. Like for I know for many people, uh, no longer eat currants, right? Because they don't know about them anymore. But um, at our market, when currants are available, there's a couple of people who come in because they're making their jam that their grandmother has passed through the yeah. family. And so I just finding a good recipe. So if you have a good recipe for one of the for for oak in particular or one of the other nuts, then uh, and it's on the website. Let me know, and I'll link specifically to that because I think that's important. Yeah, we can do we can do that. And before you go, I'll, I'll crack open a couple of of um, bla- of, of the white um, butternuts. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah, that would yeah, be wonderful. Yeah, so, so we you, can try you, it out. You, you'll see. You'll see how the how easy it is with the um, vice grips. Perfect. Yeah, Actually, yeah. I'll take a video of you, and we can put that in, with the sh- in the show notes as well. Yeah. Awesome. All yeah. right, and now you know we get to the last question, which I gave you ahead of time so you'd be able to think about it. Do you consider yourself a Canadian? And if so, what does that mean to you? Well, the word Canada comes from the Ganyangehaga, uh, meaning um, people of the flint. And... Um, the um, it sorry the 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 word Ganada means um, means village. So uh-huh. so when Jacques Cartier came and he asked, well, what's the name of this country? And they said, um, maybe not understanding the European concept of of states and countries, said, well, um, um, this is Ganada. This is we are we are Ganadian. And um, in the French sense, sense, but you know, we, so we are people of the village, and it is it is as people. So all our indigenous ancestors, were, whether they were Celtic people from Europe, uh, from Africa, from Australia, from Asia, um, they, this was an international system. They were all using string shell. 
They were all living in villages. They were all living in 100-person multi-home dwelling complexes because they considered that the intergenerational interaction between the grandparents and the, the children and the, um, and the aunts and uncles and the, um, and the different families um, having a critical mass in economies of scale. So um, what's interesting today is that 70% um, uh, of our populations live in multi-home dwellings. And um, that's the, the size that all our indigenous ancestors were looking for was actually 100 people represents about 32 units. Well, it turns out that the average size of our multi-home buildings is 32 units. <laughs> so we have more, it's, it's a, just a very efficient unit, efficient size. So even capitalism has rebuilt on that model. Um, and um, so the, um, so Ganada, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Ganadian, <laughs> and which means that um, I, I believe that um, redeveloping these fractals, because we're so dependent on the top, so the trillionaire oligarchs at the top who control the U.S. Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, the Bank of International Settlements, the World Bank, and the International Monetary Fund, they captured control of the top. We don't have that. They, they, we, we, so they're just commanding and controlling whole populations. In fact, they think that there's probably about 10 times too many people on Earth uh, because they don't know how to appreciate nature. And um, if, if, if every person just collected their poo and biodigested um, bio their poo in, in, um, in a methanization chamber, um, we would have gas, we would have fertilizer, we would, we, our trees would grow bigger, would, our, our, our butternuts would grow bigger. Our, um, all of our food would be very, very easy, just as it was, you know, people like, um, researchers like Peter Kropotkin back in the 19th century and, and Tolstoy and others, when they were looking at indigenous people, they were describing that these people are working one hour per day. Indigenous people worldwide were working one hour per day instead of 10 hours per day. So that's basically uh, even better than Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. <laughs> yeah, it, well, and it's based on, on, on nature, right, based right. on natural, and, and also human, human association. So getting back to Ganetta, you're a person of the village? Yeah. So, and so what does that mean to you? Um, that, well, we, we already live, 70% um, of us live in village complexes, some kind of architecture that's clustered where we're sharing walls, ceilings, floors. And, but we don't know how to live together. And so the, the, the ancient string shell, which was time-based accounting that included the domestic work, domestic, um, industrial, and commercial work, today's economy only, rev only accounts for a, a domestic, I'm sorry, um, commercial and industrial, and doesn't account for the domestic. So people who are doing the most important work of taking care of children and, and elders and and looking after our very well-being, their work isn't accounted for, whether it's mostly women, but also some men too. Yeah. And so redeveloping these economies where, right where we live already, and we don't have to move to some perfect community, just where we are. So the software is designed that people will know each other, they'll be able to associate with each other and, and trade with each other. Uh, everything is accounted for, just like it was with the string shell. And then the, the other facet, so there were two aspects to indigenous life, well, the, the, the multi-home 
and within the multi-home they had the um, um, the string show meant that everything was accounted for, all, all, all contributions were recognized, so celebrated. And all, um, and then in time, when, when issues came up, whether it's positive or negative, they had council process so that people would sit down together and uh, within the circle, so the circle was kind of like a recording device, a feedback machine, and people would talk with each other and they were each given equal time according to the traditions. And um, so bringing these two aspects so that people can live together and work together again. Oh, awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. It was great interviewing you. (laughs) Good, good. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Unapologetically Canadian. This episode was brought to you by Notable Nonfiction. Notable Nonfiction teaches people to grow through their own ingenuity. Find out more at notablenonfiction.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 